Hello and welcome to Circle of Parks episode number 55. We are having a special episode this week and it is our one year anniversary. So we are excited to share with you so much that we've learned through these episodes and have a special guest. Uh, There is so much to see and do. We are here to help guide you through. But before we do that, we must talk Disney merch. So I'm sticking with Halloween, guys. It is what it is. More and more Halloween stuff keeps coming out. And we are seeing now some Grogu Halloween decor, such as door hangers. And this one is super cute. He's dressed as a ghost and holding a like pumpkin shaped Halloween bucket with candy. And there's more Grogu Halloween candy bowls. You've got a Grogu Halloween light up doormat. And you even have a Grogu Halloween sketchbook ornament and it's like the little I don't know the pod the ship thing he normally sits in it's like orange like a pumpkin it's super cute and that is this week's Disney merch thank you everybody for joining us episode number 55 our one year anniversary thank you so much for continuing to follow us and listen to us we really really do appreciate it we didn't think we'd make it a year and here we are here we are Uh, I'm Zach I'm Brittany and we do this podcast every week and our goal is to help you have a better Disney vacation and help help you to slow down a little bit and appreciate the parks more. And in doing so, you will have a better vacation. You know, I was down there yesterday on a business trip, we'll call it, getting content for social media and riding the ferry boat over to the Magic Kingdom. Just observing how many people's first trip it was and how excited they were and one girl wanted to meet Stitch and she was so excited about meeting Stitch. And, you know, it's just so great to see that. And we, we really want you to have a really good time. But we're not professionals. We're not experts. But you know who are? Who is that? The professionals that You Can Fly Travels. You Can Fly Travels is a sponsor of this podcast. And they can help you with all your Disney vacation planning. They can plan your what, Disney World, Disneyland, Alani, Disneyland Paris, Adventures by Disney in your Disney cruise. So go check them out. www.circleofparksorry.www.youcanflytravels.com. They're also on Instagram and Facebook. Tell them we sent you and you'll get a free autograph book. Yes, and they are still hiring as well if you like to plan Disney vacations or just discuss people's interests and help them maybe to plan theirs. They are hiring. Yeah, so for a 1-year anniversary, We interviewed an amazing author, Aaron H. Goldberg. He really embodies the slowing down and looking into the details of Disney. He is the author of Buying Disney's World, which is my favorite book so far. Uh, The Disney Story, chronicling, Chronicling the Man, the Mouse, and the Parks, Meet the Disney Brothers, and the Wonders of Walt Disney World. He goes really in-depth in these books and really peels back the layers, really does an awesome job in these books. And he did, he was so much fun to interview. He He really was. And like Zach was just saying, he shares a lot of what we feel too, as far as slowing down, taking it all in, you know, in the intro I mentioned, like reflecting on just some of our episodes. So we have done that a lot, you know, like 
hey, just take your time, get some popcorn, sit in the hub area and just observe and take it all in, you know, and don't always, oh, we've got to go do the, do this right. Oh, we got to do this one. We got to do this one. Yes, I know you want to get it all in, but it's good to just slow down and take it in too. Yeah, we could have talked to him for hours. Yes. Uh, so we hope you enjoyed the interview. He's also been featured on CNN, Huffington Post, Travel and Leisure. He's been published in the Library of Congress. Mm-hmm. He's been on the New York Times, mentioned Fodor's Travel, and just so many other publications. He's an award-winning author, and we really hope you enjoy this interview. Yes, and he also shares a lot of things that Zach um, finds interesting, too, besides the slowing it down part, like the historical stuff and how things got started. I mean, like if him and Zach were ever in a room together, you, you could they would probably be there all day long. So, yeah, so yeah. here is the interview. Thank you, everybody, for joining us. We have the award-winning author, our favorite author for Disney, Aaron H. Goldberg with us. Aaron, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for joining us. It's such an honor to have you on. Yes, welcome. Oh, thank you so much, and thank you for the kind words. Well, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to do this interview with us. It's a special one for us. It's our one-year anniversary. Yay. We made it. I didn't know if we would make it or not. But it's been a fast year, really. It really has. Yes. Yeah. Thank you so much, Aaron, for joining us. Oh, and Of course. If you don't know, Aaron is an award-winning author, and we've recommended his books on our podcast. We've had several listeners read them uh, based on our recommendations. Uh, by far, my favorite book is Buying Disney's World, talking about the construction of Walt Disney World. And of course, construction of a park can't just, for Disney, it can't just be basic. It has to be <laughs> very complicated and very... Very in-depth, and Buying Disney's World is amazing. Uh, the Disney Story, that's next on my list to read. Uh, Brittany, you've just read the Meet the Disney Brothers, and I'm currently re- reading The Wonders of Walt Disney World. Mm-hmm. Yes, and um, the Disney Brothers book, it was it, it had me thinking of our own kids in a way with the brother dynamics, um, but it was definitely a good read, and I've put it in your stash when you have time to. Yeah, definitely next <laughs> uh so thank you, Aaron, so much. We're going to ask you a few questions, kind of pick your brains. And uh, we wanted to interview Aaron because I think his books really do a good job of helping you appreciate the parks a lot more. And that's what we try to get you to do on our podcast is slow down, appreciate what this is. And there's so much in depth in these parks. It's not just running from attraction to attraction. There's stories in these attractions and every name that you hear or every word that you see has a story behind it. And Aaron, man, you you go really in depth with this stuff. And thank you so much. You're welcome. You're welcome. I mean, I, I think we share the same mindset there. Um, it really is all in the details. Um, you know, I often say that if you see something in a Disney park, obviously, you know, it, it's deliberately there, whether you know why or what, or, you know, sometimes you don't know the backstory on something, but it, there's always a story to something that you see there. Um, and I, I think that's the the real, you know, the uniqueness and the real appreciation of, of a place like Magic Kingdom. Um, you could just, you know, I think all too often we sort of just stroll into the park and maybe not even stroll. Maybe we just try and get down the main street as fast as we can, get to the hub, go left, go right, and, you know, get to where we want to go. But, you know, we miss, there's so much you miss along the way. Um, there's so many like random, just random, like, you know, so you get to the hub and you look to the left and you get Casey's Corner and, and you see, um, you know, red and white umbrellas that are like right in front of Casey's Corner on the left side. 
and those red and white umbrellas also that first stage right there. So red and white for first stage. So there's like, there's things that just are there that you don't even realize are there. And then you're like, oh, after someone mentions it to you, like, wow, that makes total sense. So red and white for like, you know, first aid and there it is. It's, it's one of those random things that, you know, you marvel at after you find out about it. Wow. That's awesome. Well, we've got some good questions for you. And then at the end, I'd like to do Disney trivia every week. I've got two questions for you and it's kind of, I'm going to call it stump the author. I'm sure you're going to know these, but these are some of my favorite ones that probably I had, I had to do a lot of research on if you're okay with that. Uh Oh yeah. Pressure's <laughs> on. I All hope right. I can live up to the expectations. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm sure you'll, you'll, you'll know these, but uh, Brittany, why don't you start us off? We're going to start off kind of easy and then kind of go in more depth with some of the questions. If you're okay with that, Aaron. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Yeah, so starting off a little easy. Um, so how old were you when you first went to a Disney park? I was an infant. I don't know exactly. Um, there's pictures floating around. I actually came across them not so long ago from my dad. Um, and we were in the contemporary. Um, I, I got to say it was probably, you know, 1981, 82, somewhere in thereabouts. So, yeah, I was... I was just a wee little one. Oh, wow. <laughs> That's uh, sweet. So my first question is going to be, what is your favorite themed attraction in Walt Disney World? And one, your favorite fact about that attraction? Ooh, the favorite. That's, I, that's so, that's so, um, that's tough. Like, it's like picking your favorite child. Um, <laughs> well, this is my topic. <laughs> Which, which probably is, as time goes on, I feel like that could probably get easier as you, you know, have more children and, and experience more with them. I feel like a, a favorite always stands out at some point. Um, <laughs> I have two older sisters and I always joke to say that, you know, I was always the favorite. Um, whether that's true or not, it was always that way in my mind. Um, I think, honestly, I think the Carousel of Progress nice. is probably my favorite. Um, I, you know, I love the music and I love the backstory, how it goes back to you know, the 64 World's Fair. And I know that, you know, it was a favorite of Walt's. I feel like, and I could sit there every day, all day and just listen to the music. And yeah, I just, something resonates with me on, on a different you know, level than say, you know, the Haunted Mansion or Pirates of the Caribbean or things like that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I, I, I completely agree with yeah. you. And you uh, are authored in the Library of Congress talking about the World's Fair I've read. Yes. I, I wrote a piece for, um, so it's a small world. The song was inducted into the, Library of Congress's, like, um, I forget what they call it. So I think they call it like a recording registry. So it's the songs. Um, every year they take a handful of songs that are culturally relevant, you know, popular, famous, blah, 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 or, or, or something along those lines. And they inducted, uh, they wanted the, um, it's a small world song written by the Sherman Brothers inducted in and they inducted it this year. And they had me write sort of like an essay or a historical piece on the background of it and things like that. That's awesome. Oh, wow. So what is your favorite fact about the Carousel of Progress? Um, so my favorite fact about the Carousel of Progress. Um, let me think about that one. There's a lot. So I, I, there is a lot. I think one of the, one of the, I think one of the interesting, um, there's a, there's a random story about the man who, I'm, I'm going to probably butcher the story because I didn't put it in one of my books, but I remember reading it at some point. Um, so the the man who plays uh, the father, the, the the look of his face was molded after. Um, obviously, it was it was taken from somebody from someone. He was he was a living person, 
And at some, and he didn't tell his family what he was, that he was involved in it. He didn't tell his family that he was going to be in this, you know, in this, um, in, in this, you know, uh, in this attraction or even that it was an attraction at this point. Um, and he ended up passing away. And, and years later, like decades later, like I believe either late nineties, early two thousands, his family found out that he posed for it and that was him. Oh, and they wow. went to, yeah, they went to see the attraction and boom, there was their dad Aww. or, the, or, you know, somebody the likeness of their dad. And I thought that was just, that's, I mean, that's the gist of the story. I may have mangled up some of the fine details, but the gist of it was he was the model for it. Didn't tell anybody about it. He passed away before anybody knew about it. And they come to find out he, it was him. And I always thought that was a really cool story. That's oh, amazing. Yeah. Your grandfather's living on. Yes. In infinite. Yeah, that's, a, that's amazing. Wow. Yeah. That would be something yeah. to see too. Oh, yeah. Wow. Wow. Uh, yeah, we're we're either it's and I'm, maybe it might even be. I don't, you know, my mom passed away a bunch of years ago, so I don't know. Part of me was like, oh, I don't know if I. Part of me was like, you know, it's kind of crazy to to go back here and see, you know, your loved one here that meant so so much, and it's like bittersweet, I'm sure, for some of them. But yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, wow. for sure. Well, and when you mentioned the Carousel of Progress, like, so the last time we went to Magic Kingdom, normally we always ride it, but the last time we went, we did not. And we've mentioned several times since then, like, why did we skip it? We know not to skip it again. We felt like something was missing from the trip. Yeah, so. well, there's, we were wow. in that, in the middle of doing new things we haven't done yet. And what are yeah. we going to do that? And there's always that battle of what are we going to yeah. leave out, you know? And that's one yep. thing we left out and then we've, we know. we've missed it. We will never leave it out again. <laughs> yeah. <There> you- <laughs> Learn from experience, right? Definitely. Yes. And even our youngest, you know, he was like, oh, we didn't do it. And he loves the dog in it. And so, you know, he was like, we have to do it next time. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Um. So question um when you are looking into um like researching disney facts have you been able to or have had access to disney archives i have not um i have not been to the archives um it's sort of like often a hit or miss with them Mm -hmm. if they allow you in um i know people who have tried randomly on a whim and got in and i've known people who have tried and they said no um so I, I've never really, I don't think I've ever really attempted. Um, I sort of find my own way around with research and things like that. I, I like to rely, I, I like to rely heavily on like the news of the day. So I'll go into, you know, like newspaper archives or um, some, you know, a lot of times, uh, you know, somebody's life work ends up in a, in a university archive or things like that. So I've been to university archives and I do newspaper archives and I go to libraries and do microphone, microfiche, things like that. But I've never um, dabbled in Disney's archive. Okay. Well, and you dove into my next question. If, if not, do you do your research in different types of libraries? So, okay. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> like, uh, for buying Disney's world, I went into university of central Florida has a pretty extensive archive of, um, the life's work of Robert Foster, who was the attorney who did most of the land purchases for Disney and for Buzz Price, who worked with Walt for, you know, tracking down locations for Disneyland and Walt Disney World and a ton of other things. They both basically left all their papers and their life's work to the university. And um, you can make arrangements to go in there and, and check it all out. Ooh, I'll have to Actually, and the other one is, <laughs> yeah. Oh, and even Orange County Public Library in Orlando downtown. Um, from the jump, from like 69, 70, 71, um, Disney sort of like anointed them their, you know, let's say like their keeper of 
of materials and, and ephemera and things like that. So Disney would always contribute them and they've saved it all these decades. And again, it's another thing you can go in there and check things out. Okay. Well, that's piqued my interest. I got my master's degree in library science. So I'm like, Ooh, okay. okay. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. Could definitely mix the two there. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, that was how long. So I'm going to piggyback off that. How long did it take you yeah. to research these books? Like for buying Disney's uh, world, how long did that take research wise to, to do? So that I, I wanted to write that book for about six years. Um, and I had start and stopped and I did research over a course of several years. Um, and then I got stuck, you know, trying to start the book, you know, how to, how do I get this thing started? Um, and then COVID hit and I was stuck at home like everybody else. Most of us were home and going nuts. And I figured, you know what, that's it. I'm just going to write this book. Um, so that, that was, you know, the compilation of several years to get that book in order. Um, you know, it depends. Sometimes I, I'm a bit of an OCD personality. Um, and I'm like all or nothing and I'll sit for six months and, and basically research and write the book, you know, 12, 15 hours a day just to get it done. Um, yeah. So it depends on, you know, I guess my mindset, but you know, I like buy like, um, meet the Disney's brothers. I, I, I knocked out in a relatively short amount of time just because I sort of already knew the story and, you know, cause I, you know, you know, lived it for, you know, all these years of, you know, consuming so much Disney. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, I, I've done books in a month or two and I've done books in several years, but yeah. Wow. Long answer to a short question. No, no, oh, no that's, that's great, great to hear. Uh, so we'll go with my next question. It's kind of another basic one, but what is your favorite themed resort and your favorite fact about that resort? Ooh. <laughs> um, so I think the Polynesian is probably my favorite. Brittany's um, going yes yeah, over there. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I just, you know, I, I got to be honest with you, I don't love the rooms. I sometimes think the rooms are kind of dark and depressing and, um, but you know, that's changing because they're redoing them, but I just, the resort itself is, I mean, it's just the vibe and the ambiance and everything. It's like, how can you not sit there and be happy and just soak it all up? Yeah. We actually yeah. just stayed there in June in the, the new Moana <laughs> room for one night. Loved it. Yes. It, yeah. It's definitely bright, but it's not too much in your face Moana either. I think they did it, you know, just very elegantly. Um, you do have Hey Hey right next to the coffee maker, though. That's kind of in your face in the morning. But, you know, that I kind of got a kick out of that. So yeah. that's pretty funny. We just we yeah. love the vibe at the Polynesian. So what's your favorite one fact about the Polynesian? Uh, so the, that actually is, it, it's it's I feel like it's a known thing, but maybe not. Who knows? Maybe it's known because I'm a, I'm a nerd. But that's the um, that is where John Lennon signed the paperwork to dissolve the Beatles. Yes. Yeah, so I always think that's – I'm a huge Beatles fan. I love the Beatles. Um, so I, I, I sort of – it's crazy that that's where it all kind of came to an head, came to an end legally. Yeah, and I didn't know – that. there's so much of that history in these resorts that people don't know about. At the Contemporary, the I Am Not a Crook speech from Nixon yes. was there. Yeah, yeah, that's another – you know, these are two, like, you know, culturally monstrous things that, you know, the, the, the background and the setting was Disney. So yeah, cool. I just – I love all of that. Just love it. Yeah, me too. <laughs> All right, Brittany. Uh, well, mine um, is more, I guess, back to attractions. If you could focus on just the queue of an attraction, what is your top two? Ooh. Ooh. 
Okay. I really like the what they did with Peter Pan. Um, I love like the addition there with the you know going in and you see the room and and you see like the little fiber optics and you see you know Tinkerbell floating around and you know like I, I you know just the whole the whole um, you know like the whole extended queue that forever there wasn't an extended queue. So you just waited in line and those lines are always so long. Um, so I really appreciate the little touch there to make, you know, time go by a little bit faster. Um, and for the second one, what's my second, second queue? Um, I feel like the Haunted Mansion is, is, is the interactive part that they put in. Um, it, it's kind of neat. You know, it's another one. It's like you get staying there forever and just go nuts. But once you sort of get moving towards the front and you see, you know, the, the organ and you see the, the, you know, the, the captain or, or, you know, he's hanging out in the tub or not tub, but he, you know, was sort of drowning there. I think that's pretty, pretty clever too. And then when you get finally get, get up to the graveyard and you see all the tombstones, I think that's always neat because, you know, the, 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 the names of the tombstones are, are, you know, folks who, you know, contributed to the attraction. I think that's a nice little wink and a nod to, to the folks who got it all together. Yeah, for sure. And like with Peter Pan, there was one time where we didn't go through the queue and we we missed it. We really felt like that was just so much more of an add on to the attraction itself. So. Absolutely. Yeah, I agree. Yeah. And we haven't been through the long queue for Haunted Mansion yet. So we haven't gotten really to experience any of that, but I really want to, though. Mm -hmm. Yeah. 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 Oh, yeah. Yeah, the last time we finally got to experience the stretch room for the first time. Yes. Because the COVID. time before COVID, you know, it wasn't open. So, oh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, I love that part. Until everybody starts reciting the lines and screaming and doing all that <laughs> stuff. But yeah. <laughs> yeah. All right. So mine's going to get a little more in depth here. So for our younger listeners, uh, your degree is in anthropology. Uh, can you explain to our younger listeners what is uh, anthropology and how do you use it being a Disney author and historian? Sure. So anthropology is basically the study of man, um, the study of culture. And then there's a few like a, other subsets there. So archaeology often falls into anthrop- anthropology. Um, so, it's, you know, there's a, there's a mix of history. There's a little mix of science. There's a little, little grab bag of everything there, which is sort of what appealed to me. I, I sort of like the cultural anthropology. I like a little bit of archaeology. So, you know, and, and where else, I mean, think about Disney. So it's like study of the study of man and the study of people and, and things, civilizations and things like that. So you come to Disney world and I mean, the people watching is tremendous. You can really soak up. Everybody could be like an amateur anthropologist and you just sit back and watch the, the world go by. Um, there's no better place to see like the cross section of America, or quite frankly, cross section of the world so many people come to Walt Disney world. It's, it's always interesting to, you know, sort of see what's going on around you, which I, which the other, the other random thing I always think about is like, there's not too many places, you know, like a sort of quick cultural observation is there's not too many places in the world or even in the country where you would go on public transportation and probably talk to the person next to you or feel safe talking to the person next to you or interacting. You know, most people sort of either don't interact or don't communicate or they're, you know, they're buried in their phone or they have their headset on or, you know, whatever, where they just want to get to, to work or wherever they have to go and not be bothered. But, you know, I mean, you come to Walt Disney World and think about how many times you go on the monorail or how many times you go on a, on a bus and you engage and talk to the family next to you or folks next to you. It's like you laugh or, or whatever. And it's just a, an interesting dynamic that, you know, comes out when you're in the parks. 
Yeah, I would. And so this kind of brings me back to why I fell in love with Disney, that, you know, I was really big into politics. And I don't want to get too much in myself. I was really big into politics before we started going to Walt Disney World. And I don't do that stuff anymore. But I worried so much about how I looked and what I looked like and what suit I was wearing and what other people were saying about me. When you go to Disney World, nobody cares. Everybody's there for the same reason. No yeah. one's judging. Everybody's kids nope. are screaming and yelling. No one's <laughs> yep. no one's judging anybody. They're just they're all there for the same reason. And I love that about it. Right. Yeah, everything's level playing field and and you know, uh, you know, most people are in a good mood. I mean, I know sometimes not in a tough thing with families, <laughs> but but I feel like if you were to get on a bus or on a monorail and, and talk to the person next to you, they they would reciprocate and you know, whatever. I mean, I feel like Oftentimes, or maybe I'm jaded because I'm from the Northeast, you know, Philadelphia, New York, DC, you're probably not really talking to many folks around you. You're kind of just sort of going to do your thing and move on. But it's different. And maybe there's a, a, you know, being in the South, maybe that's another component. I don't know. But I always feel like the, there's less tension or less, um, there, there's, the, you know, that's like friendly, friendliness is a little bit, is like a notch up here when you're down, when you're at Walt Disney World. Definitely. Yeah. I mean, we usually talk to people on the monorail. And then there was one time on our first trip down when our youngest was like four. And I just couldn't get him awake off the bus. And we were at our stop and the lady was like, I'll hold your bag for you so you can pick him up. You know, it was just, that's what you do. So, Yeah. And that's not something you would encounter. You usually don't encounter that, nor would you trust to, you know, have somebody hold your bag or, you know, what, you know what I'm saying? I feel like, Again, I could be a little more jaded, but I feel like things are just like, okay, let's, you know, everybody's here a little more understanding or they get the, you know, I've been here with a kid and, you know, we, we know what goes on here. So, yeah. 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 So, yeah, I, I would definitely agree to that. And you've had those experiences and people moving out of the way when we used to have the double strollers. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. All right. Uh, my next one is going, uh, so going back to uh, buying Disney's land. Uh, my favorite, and this is my favorite, sorry, buying Disney's world. Sorry about that. My, yeah, no worries. my favorite G whiz kind of fact that I like to tell people is the sand around all the resorts came from the bottom of Bay Lake. Yeah. So, uh, talk about why did they drain Bay Lake to begin with? How long did it take in, uh, or, all right, why did they drain it? How long did it take to drain and refill it? So they drained it. Well, one of the things when Walt was on property, and wasn't, and he wasn't on property a ton. Um, unfortunately, you know, he passed in '66. Um, but when he was on property, he wanted the water to be clean and clear. Obviously, not necessarily going to get it clear, but he really wanted it cleaned up. And the water was stained, and it was terrible through Bay Lake um, in his eyes. So there was a lot of stumps. There were a lot of, um, you know, just just a lot of muck and things um, that they wanted to clear out and start sort of start fresh and then stock it again with fish. So I, I, I off the top of my head, I can't tell you how long it took, but I think I'm 99% sure it's in the book somewhere. I think I said how long it took for them to drain it. And then they, they drained it. They went through and basically bulldozed everything, grabbed all the muck out, all the stumps, all the roots, everything. Um, and then started digging away and underneath, the um, lake bed was this beautiful, pristine white sand, which then they used to line the shores of um, Seven Seas Lagoon. 
which, you know, it's like, it's like a eureka moment there. Yeah, that's just one of my favorite G Wiz things I could tell. They're like, no way. I'm like, no, it's really from the bottom of Bay Lake. They're like, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, you've yeah. shared that on a few of our episodes too. Yep. Um, all I right. Think, oh, sorry. Think, go ahead. I think the word, no, no, no. I think the, for some reason the word sticks out tannic, T A N N I C, or T A N I C is what they called the water. The water was tannic. Yeah, or I think okay. for some reason that, that's what sticks out. Um, and I don't have the book in front of me or else I would grab it. So I apologize on that. But oh, no. I forget what, I mean, it took forever. You know, I feel like it, it, it was a substan- obviously a substantial amount of time to drain and then refill. And then they stocked it with bats um, to, uh, you know, get the habitat there going. Yeah. Yep. So uh, go ahead, Brittany. Oh, okay. Um, well, going back to earlier, you were saying how, you know, if, if you see something, there's a reason it's there. You know, everything is there for a reason. Um, so we know and we have learned, you know, to take our time more going down Main Street, looking at windows and details, um, you know, in and on the windows of these buildings. Is there any one of those that stands out to you the most that you you feel like you have to see every time you go? So not not necessarily a window, but there is something in Liberty Square that always fascinates me. Um, it's adjacent to the Hall of Presidents. And if you look at a very obscure wall, there is like a, a, a sort of like a bronze plaque of a hand inside of a hand inside of a hand. It looks like, you know, three or four hands are shaking. Um, and... So I, I was born and raised in Philadelphia, you know, the, the, you know, the birthplace of America, so to speak. And much of old city Philadelphia is, you know, a lot of the back to the 1700s, it's, it's still standing. A lot of the buildings are still there. And back in the day, Ben Franklin basically came up with a thing called fire insurance. So if you had insurance on your building and your place caught on fire and you had the hand in the hand in the hand outside of your, on your, on, on, you know, facing the, the building, they would come and basically put out the fire. You had fire insurance. Now you could find that little placard in Liberty Square, which to me is like such a detail that's amazing. And I often go look for it to make sure it's still there because I know things come and go, you know, at Disney World. But, I, you know, maybe two or three years ago, I was driving through Center City, Philadelphia, and I was stopped at a traffic line. I just happened to look, at, look to the left and there was a building and it was still on there. And I was like, oh my God, look at that. There it is. And that's still what's in Liberty Square. And it's just like such a like a a wonderful little novelty, a little detail that they included that you'll walk by it a million times and I have no idea. And I, I venture to say maybe even if you ask a cast number, they wouldn't even know. But that's like, you know, research and detail to the, you know, what degree here that Disney does. It's it's so cool. That's yeah. awesome. I'm I have to look for that. And now. That's, <laughs> I, I, yes, yeah, for sure. I and I put that in, that's actually in the Wonders of Walt Disney World. And I believe there's a picture. Um, I'm 99% sure I took a picture of it. And it's in, and it's in, the, it's in the book, in the Magic Kingdom uh, chapter. Wow. And, and that's what I love so much about Liberty, uh, Liberty Square. There's so much detail that they put that's yeah. historically accurate. Exactly. Like, it's that's just, amazing. Yeah. Like, who thought of that? I mean, like, who thought to, like, Oh, we have to include that. That's you know historically accurate. This let's let's put this on a building, and people are going to walk by and have no idea. Right, and yeah. it, and the detail, like the leather, sl- like the leather straps that are used to keep the you know the uh, the windows yes. open and closed. Yeah, it's, like, the authenticity is always it's just remarkable I to me, it. and I you know, and that's I, you know in, in some respects it's almost like that's 
I mean, and maybe this is why, like, I, you know, you start to sound like an old man. It's like, you know, keep those kids off my lawn. But it's like you miss something with some of these these parks and the new things. The new things are fantastic. But, like, some of the details just don't always make the cut or, you know, it's just different. I mean, it's just to create a Magic Kingdom now, you know, I, you know I'm sure it would be vastly different. I'm sure it would be uh, who, who knows how they would do it or, or what could get included or so much of this history is forgotten and gone, like, I'm sure the, the average person would, you know, no, nobody knows what they're looking at. And who knows that the younger generation of Imagineers would even come across something like that to include uh, in, into the park. So, yeah. Well, I, I would venture just to say they probably wouldn't even include a Liberty Square now. No, you're right. I would agree with that. Yeah. Because people just run yeah, right through agree. Liberty Square to get to Frontierland to do Big Thunder Mountain or Splash Mountain, which are great in their own right. But there's so much yeah. to. Yeah. Like you can actually have a legit history lesson from Liberty yeah. Square. Yeah. Yeah, 100%. And then and then and it's like, you know, this is like a subject that could go sideways real fast. But then again, it's like, you know, how people per- perceive history and, you know, the political climate of the day and things like that. Some of the history people don't, you know, appreciate or hear or want to remember or, or maybe it, it's hurt, hurtful or harmful or whatever. So these are things that, you know, probably, you know, that's just, keep things in the land to make believe it's, it's easier. Yeah. Yeah. No, I was smiling a second ago because when you mentioned history lesson, you've often joked like, Oh, you know, if the boys missed a day of school or something, well, they're still learning. We're doing history. Yeah. So I'm a big yeah. proponent of bringing <laughs> kids out of school to go to Walt Disney world because of lower crowd times. We always, cause Brittany's a teacher and we always go during the break. So it's always crowded, but, you learn so much. Like I think the teacher should be like, Hey, if you can bring me <laughs> one historical fact back from Walt Disney world, I'll excuse like a two of your days or something uh, like that. It's not up to the teacher. Yeah. <laughs> and, and you know what, not again, not to sound like, you know, like the broken record or the old man or get on like the, the biz Twitter bandwagon of being disappointed about things, but that's what was so wonderful about Epcot. And that's, you know, one of the, and I know things change and they have to change, but a lot of that was the edutainment aspect. There was education within a lot of those things and new things coming along aren't. So, you know, but I guess maybe, listen, kids are different now. You know, it's it's a different society. It's like, but Epcot, when it opened was, you know, there were so many folks there. That was their first encounter with a computer or, or haptics on a touch screen. These are things that nobody, you know, you didn't have any of these things at home or, you know, just there was small history lessons or, things wherever you went and you didn't, you were, you were learning, but you didn't, as a kid, you didn't necessarily know it, but you still enjoyed it. And that was the beauty of, you know, the, the early, some of the early, you know, enterprises in the park. Well, that's a great segue into my next question. (laughs) All right. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So how did we go from progress city to what we have at Epcot now? Um, So that, you know, I often think being the nerd that I am, what if, you know, what if Walt Disney lived another 10 years? Um, I, I'm not that creative, so I couldn't write a fiction thing. Um, I'm pretty cut and dry. I'm pretty nonfiction the way I view things. But so we we, we got what we have today is because Walt passed away. Um, and so instead of the, you know, the community of tomorrow and Progress City and all those wonderful things that, that sound amazing, um, we sort of, I think, got a hybrid theme park with a world's fair to sort of check some boxes for the state legislature of Florida. Um, so one of the 
you know, one of the reasons, and, and it's like a hot topic issue now with Reedy Creek with the governor of Florida, you know, vowing to disband Reedy Creek, um, you know, their, their district that oversees everything. So I think, you know, they sort of, I think Disney felt, you know, they wanted to do another park at the time. Um, nobody could do what Walt wanted to do, the creatively and imaginatively, you know, it just wasn't going to happen. They weren't going to be able to put, put that together uh, the way he would have done it. So, you know, they, they put together the World Showcase and, you know, Future World, and that's what we got. Um, but I think a lot of it was done because, you know, primarily the, the Florida project going in was more so about Epcot or Walt's version or Dream of Epcot, not necessarily about a theme park. The theme park was going to be, you know, a, a tertiary thing. It was something to to lure folks down to his utopian city. Um, and that would get them there. And they would come on property and they would drive through Epcot and they would drive through his property. And eventually at the end, they'd get to the theme park and he would make, you know, he was going to force everybody this. If you're coming to, to Disney World, you're going to see everything first. And at the end of the property, you're going to get, you know, Magic Kingdom. And, and that was going to be that. Um, that's how he was going to entice and lure you in. Um, so I feel like, you know, in some respects that they sort of had to justify putting a project in of Epcot um, to sort of, you know, the way it was pitched was we're going to do all these things um, and we require certain things from the from the state and the state agreed. And, you know, there's still many people who are on the bandwagon of, you know, with, you know, Disney sort of duped us and blah, 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 blah. We didn't get the community that they promised, but, you know. That's the way that's the way it goes. It's the way of the world, unfortunately. Well, let me piggyback off that real quick. Um, Frank Wells and Michael Eisner came in in the early 80s. And some people have liked them to Roy and Walt. Roy, yep. uh, so Michael Eisner being the business side of, as Roy and Frank Wells being the imagine, imagination side like Walt. Do you think they could have got it done? Just your opinion. You know, that's interesting because I, I, there's another what if. So what if Frank Wells did tragically pass away? Right. Um, how how vastly different would the, com- would the company be? You know, I don't know if anybody could walk in Walt's footsteps, so to speak, and do what he really wanted to do. Um, I do think that the company would have been, who, who knows what would have come to fruition, uh, you know, from that era. I mean, it was, that was, a, you know, I, I know Michael Eisner sort of, some people, you know, he's kind of polarizing some of the, the Disney folks, although I, I, I think he really, he shaped the, the company as much as Walt did. Um, remarkably, you know, Florida was totally changed under, you know, the expansion under Eisner was incredible. Um, but I don't know that anybody could do it other than Walt. I really, I really don't. He just had the, the vision and the dream that I don't think anybody else. And, you know, I think he's, you know, along the lines of like, you know, a Steve Jobs or a Henry Ford or Elon Musk, you know, those kind of folks are like, you know, once in a generation or, you know, twice in a generation kind of people that, yeah, Frank Wells was, was, was wonderful. And they were, you know, and Eisner worked together and Eisner would have taken more chances had Wells not passed away and blah, 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 blah. But I still don't think it, we get, we get it. I think it was, you know, done with Walt and maybe it's better off because, you know, who wants to try and follow that lead? Yeah, that's, that's tough. Yeah. So Brittany, what you got? Well, mine was more, I thought, maybe to end end it later. End. So if you want to go ahead. Okay. I got one more, and it's um, about Spaceship Earth. So you posted on your Instagram and Twitter today a picture of Horizons. Uh, what's the old test track one again? I forgot the name of it. Um, World of Motion. World of Motion, uh, Horizons, and Spaceship Earth being built. And it, it amazes me that there's just all like this bare 
earth around it and that these structures are being built out of the ground. That, that just blows my mind that Main Street used to be just a dirt road, <laughs> you know, and, and it's just I, I love the pictures that you put up on your Instagram and Twitter. Again, go check them out uh, at Aaron H. Goldberg. Uh, <laughs> Thank um, you. My I'm question, obs- by the way, I'm obsessed with I'm obsessed with the construction photos and I'm, and I'm obsessed with I mean, I, 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 you know, early on on the Twitter, I would do a lot of Disneyland. I would do a lot of the movies. I would sort of do a lot of Walt. But like the past year or two, it's just I've been just so heavy on Walt Disney World. And, and those Epcot photos, the construction photos, just it, it's fascinating to me. It's just amazing. Like you said, it's like from something to nothing and so grand and so, yeah, it's just remarkable. So, yeah, going off that, can you talk about the unique construction of Spaceship Earth? Because it looks like this huge geodesic dome is sitting on these pylons, but it's actually not. Uh, can yeah, you can so, you talk about that? Yeah. So this is again, I should have brushed up on some of the stuff, but um, so those so those pylons, so the pylons, are, you know, so there was an interesting, interesting quote from John Hench, who when Walt passed away, and you know. Uh, we, you know, we get into, you know, the seventies and into the early eighties, he was like huge design guy for Disney. Um, and saw a lot of things through, but he, there's a quote from him from, I think it was maybe opening day of Epcot. And he said that those pylons are like two arms reaching out to give you a hug. Who wouldn't want to like get a hug and who wouldn't want to see that? It's such a welcoming and warming thing. I mean, that, and that, that's like all you have to, like, that's all you need to hear. Right. I mean, you see that and it's so grand and it is so. You know, I, I can't remember how many feet they went into the ground and and that it withstands, um, you know, you know, hurricane winds of like category four and it collects, you know, so the spaceship Earth actually there's gutters there that collects rain as the rain comes in. It, um, it collects and actually goes back out into the lagoon, um, the World Showcase Lagoon. So the engineering was was incredible. Um, yeah. And. I just, you know, it's one of those fascinating feats that I was interested to see if, you know, D23, they were going to announce a, um, you know, they were going to do it sort of like a a refresh on Spaceship Earth. They announced it before COVID. COVID put the axe on, and I guess so Spaceship Earth is sort of going to stay the way it is for now. And I guess, you know, in some ways that's fine. It's one of my favorite rides. Yeah, I'm okay with a little refresh, but don't, like, change the story or anything. Yes, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I want it to be yeah. very similar. Maybe like a, some of the animatronics get updated, but not an overall, you know. Right. Yeah. Keep the storyline. Yeah. Yes. All right. So that's the last question I, I got. Brittany, what, what's Well, your- mine was more just taking it back to, you know, like now, if you were to have a day to yourself in Walt Disney World, what would that ideal day look like, you know, from from morning to evening, you know, do you stay and watch the fireworks? Do you go ahead and leave? Do you go maybe to Polynesian and watch them from the beach? Um, and then, like, if you had a choice, you know, of, of food to eat and stuff, do you do the spring roll cart or do you eat at Cosmic Rays or Columbia Harbor House? Things like that. My my day, and I've had, to be honest, I've had a lot of those solo days. Um, I, I've had a ton of those solo days. I really enjoy them. i I feel like it's an underrated thing to to visit Disney World by yourself and just kind of sit there and soak it up. But honestly, I could normally what I would do is I get up and go in the morning and I'd sit on Main Street and I basically just sit on Main Street and kind of soak up the background music and soak up people, the comings and goings. I could literally sit there for an hour or two and just 
soak it all up. Um, I then usually watch, I usually usually hit the people mover, hit the carousel progress, hit the haunted mansion and pirates and then, and then leave, walk back out. Um, I'll usually stop at Casey's corner, grab a hot dog. Um, and then if I, you know, if it's an ambitious day, I would, I would go over to Epcot and, and before they change the background music, the future world, um, I would literally just, I could just sit there and listen to the background music, but there's something about the music that so much of Disney and so much of Disney parks experience is about, you know, the music and the background music. And I, and unfortunately some of that has gone to the wayside, but, um, yeah, low key. I'm very, you know, I just, I'm, I'm happy just to be in the environment and just, you know, soak it up. Right. No hustle and bustle. Yeah. Yeah, I tend to do that in the hub area, at least for like an hour or so while Zach and the boys go ride Space Mountain or Big Thunder. You know, I'm like, I'll just be in the hub area, get me some popcorn and just kind of people watch and soak it up, you know, so. Yeah, yeah, 100%. There's oftentimes I literally would just go sit on Main Street and hang out um, and not do any attractions. I mean, I've done that too, where I just kind of walk the parks or you know, you go to the hub, make a right and just sort of walk around and make a left and then come back around and then head on out. Sometimes it's not even about the attractions. It's just about, you know, sort of being in the ambiance of it all. Yeah. I can't wait to do that. Right. Well, your area <laughs> yeah. is Tomorrowland. <laughs> I love Tomorrowland is my favorite land, but I, I know what you're talking about. The old music in Futureland was amazing. Yes. I yes. love it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Just love it. Uh, so I think that's it for the questions. I do have... Uh, we're going to play a little stump the author, see if we can do it. I think you can. I have high, I have high hopes on you guys. I don't know. I don't know. You're you're, you're just a wealth of knowledge. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Number one, uh, at Columbia Harbor House in the Magic Kingdom, if you enter from the Fantasyland entrance, above is a sign with a picture of a chicken and a fish. Why is that sign there? Oh, you got me on you. Honestly, God, you got me on this one. Really? A chicken? And a, yeah, totally. So yeah, I was expecting like <laughs> I was expecting something like along the lines of like you know the the three cornered hat, three pointed hat, like a you know like the old George Washington's hat or something with Thomas Jefferson or you know there's a lot of you know the the historical presidential kind of things there, but I don't have that one. I don't have the. the let me hear this one. This is this is this is new to me. So going back to the time this is set in, right? Yeah. Most people were illiterate. Ooh. So they had, they would know what was on the menu, chicken or fish. Wow. See that? <laughs> wow. That's awesome. Wow. That one, that one I, I didn't get that one. See, wow. I'm not that much of a wealth. No, I'm, you are. I'm, no, I'm, you are. You I'm are. a fraud. <laughs> <laughs> you know, fraud. you are. No, you are. I just, I, I really nerd out on this stuff too, just like you do. Uh, yeah. Next one's a movie question. Okay. Where in Hollywood Studios can you find a reference to the movie The Rocketeer? Um, so there's something I'm gonna. I'm, it's gonna. It's gonna be if I'm standing. If I'm walking down Hollywood Studios and 50s Primetime Cafe is to the left, there's Rocketeer stuff to the right. I sometimes get a frozen Coke there, but I don't remember. Yeah, what it's called. that's it. Yeah, PV's Polar yeah. Pipeline. Yes, that's it. Exactly. There yeah, it is. you got it. Uh, yeah. what is PV or who is PV? That I, that I don't, um, I could, I haven't seen that movie in probably since I was a kid. It's been a long time. Um, this is one of my favorite yeah. nerdy facts about Hollywood studios. Yeah. Hit me with that one. I don't, so I don't, 
Uh, PV's portrayed by uh, actor Alan Arkin. His real name, or his name in the movie is Ambrose Peabody, but he goes by PV. And he was the mechanic Ooh, yeah. for Cliff the pilot. Uh, who yep. was that? Yeah. Yeah. It's probably been a good 20 years since I saw that movie. And that's a great movie. And that's like another, it's like a, you know, cult following movie. People love that movie. But yeah, that one escaped me. Good job. Hey, so, reinforcing reinforcing <laughs> my fraudness no 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 this, this, there's so much so our tagline is there's so much to see and do we're here to help guide you through and there's just that's a great tagline thank you uh yeah. there's just so much in these parks that we love and you just have to stop and look around and there's so much history and backstories like the 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 light stole on in the window in the liberty square i'm sure you know the history yeah. behind that like that's yep. sad, but like the detail, like people just walk by, it's like, oh, it's just a light in the in a window. And, yeah. yeah, no, it's not. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's something. There's something behind it all, which is fascinating. It just in your books have inspired me to go and seek out this this stuff and and learn more about it. So thank you so much, Aaron. You really inspired me and. A lot of our listeners have read your books based on our recommendations and, and they just, they dive into it and love it. And it's just, that's great. There's so, I guess it's just me being older and a dad, but I, I really appreciate a lot of this stuff. Thank you. I appreciate the, the kind words and, and spreading the gospel of, of the books there. And you know what it is? It's, 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 you know, as you get older I mean, you, and you start to grow to appreciate history. I mean, it's, it's history and a lot of this stuff, you know, obviously it's like, it's, you know, there's a, it's sort of like a quasi subculture here with Disney, but you know, if you look back on, you know, the time when Walt was here and, you know, thirties, forties, fifties, sixties, how much, you know, his influence shaped our country and shaped the culture of our country and the culture of the world. Um, and then onto itself here that, that, you know, the, the company itself has a, has such a history and subculture and it's just, it's fascinating. It's just, there's nothing else like it in the world. And I think that's what will make Disney special. One of the things. Yeah. Brittany, do you have anything else? Well, I was just going to say, I think that's why I enjoyed, like when I say people watching, you know, because I mean, there's families that travel here that maybe haven't even seen each other in years, you know, and, and they meet here and you just see all these different emotions and, um, you know, I've seen proposals done in front of the castle, you know, and um, even baby announcements, things like that. But it's just re- it's just something to see, you know, just everybody coming together and kind of like what we were saying earlier, just, you know, people seem a lot more friendly and easier to talk to. And, um, you know, I think that's, you know, a lot of what Walt wanted as well. And so I just really enjoy, you know, sitting back and, and watching it all unfold and like I said, I mean, I do it for about an hour or so too. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's nostalgia. It's a different. So, yeah, Universal is what Universal is, and the Universal, you know, and I often think that you can't sort of compare the two. Um, it's different. I mean, it's just different that the his, the historical legacy of like the Walt Disney Company versus, you know, is, is there a historical legacy of Universal? Yeah, I mean, it, you know, changed hands a bunch of bunch of times and things like that, but. Uh, it's just different. There's a different, you know, I can't even explain what it is. Like there's just a different substance to Disney that, you know, transcends, we, you know, it's just everywhere. And I know people say it's consumerism and it's, and it's merchandise. But I mean, if you think about it for, for, you know, decades here, you know, we're, we're born, we watch Disney movies. We, now we watch Disney television. We listen to the Disney radio, 
you go to the supermarket and you buy Disney food. <laughs> you eventually come to, you want to go to the Disney parks. The kids always want to go. So you see your characters, you sleep in the Disney bed. I mean, it's, it's just, you know, uh, you know, it's a cradle to grave here. Disney's got you covered. Right. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. We, you know, talking about grocery shopping and stuff. I mean, we usually get those Mickey shaped goldfish at least once a month yeah. for the boys. So yeah, yep. it's just something about, about Disney. Yeah. It's pervasive. Well, absolutely. Thank you, Aaron, for joining us. I know you have a very busy schedule. We really do appreciate you taking uh, time out of your schedule to to do this uh, great interview. And so tell everybody where they can find you uh, on social media or your website or email, whatever. Absolutely. So at Aaron H. Goldberg on Twitter, at Aaron H. Goldberg on Instagram, AaronHGoldberg.com. Um, books are, you know, wherever you want to buy a book, you could get my books. Uh, yeah, if you want to listen to it on Audible, they're all on Audible. And Zach and Brittany, I, I thank you guys so, so much for having me on. It was a pleasure and uh, it was great. We have to do it again sometime. Definitely. It, it was an honor to have you on for our one anniversary. We really do appreciate it. Yes. Thank you so much. And congratulations. Yes. Congrats on the one year. Absolutely. Thank, well, thank you. you. And we're back. That was a really informative conversation. Great interview. It, it just, it was so much fun to do that. It really, really was. Yes. Anything you would like to? Oh, I just, you know, I mean, he was really like easy to talk to, you know, I wasn't sure how it would be interviewing, you know, an, an author um, that, you know, has had some award winning Disney books. But I mean, it was just, you know, real easy, like just having a regular conversation and had a lot of information to share that we enjoy talking about. Yeah, that was just a lot of fun. We really enjoyed it. And it was it really encapsulates what we do when we go to the parks. Yes. Yes. Uh, you know, like, yeah, you just have to, again, stop and take it all in, whether it's on Main Street, the hub, or in another park like Animal Kingdom, Circle of Life, uh, like the the Tree of Life, I mean, area. Yeah. So that'll do it for our one year. Thank you so much, everybody. Um, next, uh, next week, we know fall break's coming up. Yes. Get those questions in. We've been accumulating them for a bit. We're going to do a question and, ep- a question and answer episode next week. It's going to be great. We really have a lot of fun doing those. We do, and it's been a little while. It's been a little while. So they've been accumulating. So if you haven't answered your question directly, we're going to get to it this week. And get those in. Yes. So you can email us, comments at circleofparks.com. You can message us on Twitter, Instagram, or Facebook, all at Circle of Parks. Go check out www.youcanflytravels.com. And you can go follow Aaron. AaronHGoldberg.com. He's also on Twitter and Instagram. I share a lot of this stuff uh, at AaronHGoldberg. And just thank you so much for listening. Thank you for everybody that's been sharing us lately. We really do thank you so much. We yes, love you. Thank you. Thank you so much. Brittany, anything else you'd like to add? No, just looking forward to our Q&A next week. All right. We'll see you next week. <laughs>